You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, speaking of Africa, we received an email. Uh, I received an email this week uh, from Africa. People saw Desperation on God TV this week and started emails. That's right. Your prayers are going around the world, people. And so, uh, kind of cool, God TV uh, showed, it's a Christian station, and it picked up Desperation Conference, it's gone all over, and so that's been kind of fun, and um, God's doing good things. So, uh, let's go ahead and open to 1 Thessalonians 5, and we're going to dive in. Uh, I'm really, really excited to be back in action, to be praying every day. It feels so bizarre when we're on break, it feels so good when we're back. So anyway, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, you should be there now. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you. And God, we, as the furnace, Lord Jesus, we've decided to follow you. We've not casually, but with all of our heart. And God, we ask that tonight you would help us, Jesus. God, that you would uh, help us, that you would give us strength, that you would open up your word to us, that you would cause our hearts to uh, see new things, that maybe even ideas that our mind might know, we pray that there would be heart revelation that would help us. I pray for divine strength for each one, Lord God. I pray as we head into this new semester, this new year, God, that we would be all that you've called us to be. God, we honor you, Lord. I thank you for those that are among us here tonight, Lord, that are, uh, that are our, our family, our tribe. I pray, Lord, that you would bless them as they're here. I pray that you would strengthen them as they're here with us tonight. We honor you and we love you. Amen. Uh, tonight I want to talk to you about the idea of avoiding evil. Oh, yeah. Now that sounds exciting. But I'm going to talk about avoiding evil. I was on the phone uh, over the Christmas break with a friend of mine. And over the course of our conversation, he began to ask me specifically about uh, one of our peers, one of our brothers, really, that has, uh, no longer, is no longer seeking God. And, and, and so I was so frustrated as I began to tell him the story of realistically just the nature of when a young man begins to make decisions to intentionally put himself in a situation where he no longer has Christian brothers, where he no longer is uh, in, a, in an environment that causes him to be successful in God. And over the course of time, this young man made decisions that today he's not a follower of Jesus, and it wasn't but very long ago that he was, that he was following hard after God. And so I don't know how you want to kind of untie the intellectual theological knot on that one but the bottom line is is that each one of us could probably name some people some friends that you've known that at one point were saying yes I'm in part of the Jesus tribe I'm going after God and then made choices made decisions where today the lusts of the age have crept in and today if even if asked point blank to their face they may or may not say yes I'm a follower of God And the nature of who you are by virtue of being in this program, by virtue of being here, is you're someone that is without a doubt already made the decision you're going to be a wholehearted follower of God. You're someone that is saying, I want Jesus with all my heart. But I believe that in order to be successful a decade from now, and that's often what I talk about is being successful a decade from now. Ten years from now, when you're 31 or when you're uh, 35, being a wholehearted follower of God, what are some of the things that you can do that I can do now 
to ensure the fact that we will be successful Jesus followers a decade from now. Because without a doubt, we live in a very real war, and you and I see all the time people that at one point they were contending for the fullness of God, and then whatever the lust may be, whatever the deception may be, they gave up. George Barna is a statistician, and he recently put out a document that said that 80% of young men and women that were active in church, a Christian church in America, 80% no longer are as 20-somethings. 80% in America. And so I believe we're facing a real reality where we've got a lot of people that have a little bit of Christian environment that keeps them connected. But when it comes to actually doing biblical principles, actually comes to being obedient to the scriptures, there's not enough within them that a decade later they're fulfilling the call of God on their life. And my prayer and my hope is for every one of you that finishes this program to not be one of those stories that falls, but that you would be someone that fulfills all that God's called you to and that you would stay strong. And I know, I, I, I mean, I'm a sermon guy. I love to listen to sermons. I love to read books. I, I, I like to listen what the people are saying. I love to hear even ideas that are fresh in terms of um, ways, you know, and in creative ways to communicate the gospel. And, and the message that I have prepared for you tonight is not uh, that creative. <laughs> I mean, it's not that cute. <laughs> because when you really look at what creeps in, at the end of the day, it really is this simple it is evil. And evil really is, you really do make a choice on if you're going to avoid evil or if you're going to engage in it. And I'm, I have a pretty short verse for you tonight, 1 Thessalonians 5.22. The very last sentence says, avoid every kind of evil. Pretty straightforward talk. Avoid every kind of evil. When we look at our peers, our friends, and even in your own heart, when you look at your own journey, the temptation that causes you to, uh, if you were to look at yourself possibly not fulfilling all that God's called you to fulfill, to not be a wholehearted Jesus triber, I mean a follower of Christ 10 years from now, you could articulate, you would know that it's, if you intentionally don't get, put yourself uh, distant, get your heart away from evil, that you have a, great, a greater degree of temptation. I want to encourage you, number one, in this idea of avoiding evil as a 20-something, I want to encourage you to avoid evil where you live. I'm talking about in your physical house or your apartment or your dorm room. Avoid evil in your actual house. I remember as a, uh, as a junior high student, I had grown up in a Christian home, and, uh, and so I went over to a friend's house. Junior had to spend the, spend the night one time. He was not uh, he was not from a Christian home, and uh, he had recently gotten saved. And I remember going over to his house and being just enthralled with the opportunity of sin that was all around him. I mean, just hanging out with his parents that were not Christ followers, seeing all that was on the cable television, the pictures that were on the wall, the nature of the conversation at the dinner table. It was so far. From my experience, it was so ungodly 
that realistically for him to be a wholehearted follower of Christ was harder than it was for me by the nature that evil existed in his house. There was just evil at the house. There was lust at the house. There was fighting at the house. There was all kinds of envy. It just existed there. David said in Psalm 101, verse 2, I want to read this. This is King David talking about his actual house. He says, I will behave wisely in a perfect. And when he's saying perfect, he's not saying that I'm going to be perfect. He's saying he's going to be spiritually mature. I will behave wisely in a perfect or spiritually mature way. I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Just read the psalm. Psalm 101, David saying, I'm going to walk in my house. My physical house, we're talking about a dwelling place. We're talking about where you live, your abode, your house, brick house, apartment. I'm talking, I am talking about the physical place where you live. I will walk within my house with a, with a perfect heart. And then he says, verse 3, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. If you make a choice put evil things in front of your eyes, you do put yourself in a position to sin more often. If you choose to put evil far from you, according to Paul in 1 Thessalonians, to avoid evil, you make your way clearer. You go, David, duh. Listen, it is so common for us to be able to articulate that in the furnace, at church, in accountability. But I know, hanging out in our culture, you know. You know the nature. I mean, avoid all kinds of evil. I mean, read the message version. It's like not even a, a tint of evil. I mean, it's none. And you know that when, when you go to Christian college Activities. I'm talking 21-year-olds that love God. How often is there immorality being placed before our eyes? And it's common. It's normal. I want to encourage you. You want to get to this place where we're going. We're going in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. We're going to wholehearted holiness. We're talking about being a holy people. And I'm going to give you some practical things here. You want help? You want help in that journey? A, a, a simple thing that you can do? Make sure that there's righteousness in your house. Holiness in your, I mean, in your physical house. That means the movies that you have in your house. That means what you have up on the wall. That means the conversations that you tolerate in your house. I mean, the idea as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Get that ingrained where you live. I'm not talking like, well, I have a few roommates and I don't want to be offended. Forget that. You're a Christ follower. Make a decision in your house. There's going to be righteousness. Make a decision. If you're going to have people over, if you're going to throw a party, there's going to be an intentionality where if you will have righteousness in your house, it will be more difficult to lead a successful, sinful life. I'll never forget being a, um, a sophomore at the University of Oklahoma and, uh, and living in the dorm rooms. And I had, I had been, uh, been grown up in a Christian home, then I went to a Christian college for a little while, then I lived with a Christian family for a little while, and I, for the first time in my life, lived where, where sin was everywhere. 
And of course, I went in with the whole mentality of, hey, I want to be a light in the darkness. I'm going to go after this thing. I, 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 you know, I, want, I want to be you know, what Jesus wants me to be with these ungodly guys living in this dorm room. And this whole dorm, I'm talking, I, I, I know it was such a reality check. And there was so much more effort needed in my heart to not just give in and lose ground in God by the nature of the significance and the amount of sin that existed in that dorm. It was more difficult to be a Christ follower by the nature of the fact that there was godless chatter, immorality, cheating, the lack of God in conversation all around me. And I, it, it created within me, I had to be on the offensive even more. How many of us, furnace students, oh yeah, radicals, in our house there is godlessness. You're putting yourself in a position to receive more, more attack from the enemy. I'm talking about your house. I'm talking about your bedroom. I'm talking about where you live. You will find it easier in your journey in God if when you walk into your house, the place where you live, if it's a place where you've prayed through it, righteousness takes place there, and it's a refuge. I'm just telling you. I'm just giving you little hints along the way. And you can say, hey, well... Let me give you philosophical, theological conversation as to why I'm justified to not fight for righteousness in my house. And you can say that in your own head as much as possible, but realistically, that is not, that is not something coming out of you that's Christ. That is inside of you because you're flirting with the enemy and you like it. You want to use the justification of evangelism but reality is, is we've got it pretty clear. Avoid all kinds of evil. If there's evil in your house, fight it. If you want to be successful in God, fight it. Fight against it. Number two, avoid evil in your heart. James 1.14 reads like this, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not, be, do not be deceived, my beloved brother. Interesting, isn't it? It's just a little progression. Six little steps. Where does it start? Each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. What that means is in your own mind, in your own heart, it's just daydreaming. It's tolerating ungodly daydreaming. That's, you carry it out six levels later, and it, the word is death. Avoid it. Avoid allowing desires, ungodly desires to get started in your mind. If you won't allow those desires to even get started in your mind, you'll have a greater chance of having it not end up in death. You know what, when James is talking here, James isn't talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. And after you're drawn away by desires and enticed, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. 
we're like, come on, where's the cheery talk? This is, this is the scriptures, friends. And the way that it ends in death, the way, you know stories of people. You've seen it. Where they end up distant from God. You know where it starts? Desires in their mind. Daydreaming ungodly things. And then that grows into being enticed and that grows into decisions and decisions grows into sin and sin becomes death. Matthew 5, 21. Jesus has something to say about this. He says, you've heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of this judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. In danger of hellfire. Ah! Jesus talking there. Jesus is talking motive. Jesus is talking heart. Matthew 5, 27. You have heard that it was said of, of old... You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, whoever lacks, whoever looks at a woman uh, to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's the daydreaming. It's the just tolerating, just the little desires in your head. And when it's full grown, it's death. Don't tolerate it in your heart. Don't think that it's just okay. One day you'll stand before the, the final judge, Jesus himself. And every, every thought, every heart motive will stand before him with one day. Avoid evil. Now, let's flip. Let's go a different direction. Most of the time, the only way that we think of avoiding evil is in a negative context. Let me give you a positive context. Let me give you a way in my, in my own journey, one of the ways that I like to perceive or think about avoiding evil and that's this you know most of the time our tendency is to just think well you know I did you know I engaged in this sin you know God must be mad or uh, man I messed up John 15 12 Jesus says if you love me you'll obey me right okay and most of the time we take that and we think all right well the evidence that I don't love God is when I'm disobedient and therefore it's easy to become condemned frustrated, irritated with ourselves. But let's try going the other direction. Rather than thinking of that mostly in a negative light, I want to encourage you as a disciple of Jesus, as a follower, think of it in a positive light. Think of it as every time that you choose righteousness, you're making a demonstration to the one that you'll marry forever, your bridegroom, Jesus, that you love him. Every single time, so rather than counting, all right, I, I, I was unrighteous, uh, man, I must really mess, I must really have fallen short on, God must be all mad at me, all those kinds of things. I want you thinking of a positive light and go the other way and imagine that every single time that you choose righteousness, you're making a demonstration to the one that you're going to spend eternity with that you love him. And so imagine, if you will, an IMAX theater end of your life and you're sitting there with the God of the ages and you're walking, watching your life and imagine that every single time you say I'm going to choose righteousness in this situation right now when I could give in to this conversation that's ungodly and, and yeah you know it's just cynicism and it's just a little bit off but you choose righteousness you're making an expression to God I love you and, and the whole journey of the heart 
and the whole journey in your heart, when you are just over and over again kind of trying to resist and say no, it doesn't have quite the strength of motivation as when you're looking at God and you're saying yes. The nature of the human heart, the nature of who we are is we like to beat ourselves up and get frustrated with ourselves. But if you will look, if you will look at avoiding evil as choosing righteousness, then you can be, name the scenario, walk out of the movie, say, I chose righteousness. It's a demonstration to you, Jesus, how much I love you. Make it a part of your conversation throughout the day. Okay, right here, I'm going to choose righteousness because I love you so much. If that begins to get dominant in your mind and in your heart, then when you fall short, when you choose unrighteousness, rather than the shame and the pain of, I blew it, I must not love God. No, instead you have 99 times that you've chosen righteousness and you go, God, you love me. Even in this choice that I made wrong, I've made 99 righteousness. 99 times I've chosen righteousness and you have the strength to turn around and see a loving God that loves you rather than a God that's angry with you. But the way to get there is choose to visualize it. Not just, I'm going to grip my teeth and I'm going to avoid evil. You'll never get there. Because you won't get there just by a choice of I'm not going to do bad things. The nature of our religion, the nature of our relationship is a love relationship. And if you see every time that you choose righteousness as a way of expanding your heart in love, expanding your heart in desire for God, every time that you choose righteousness, you're saying to God, I love you. Every time that you choose not to choose immorality, saying, I love you. Rather than just the flip side, rather than just, oh, you know, I watched this on TV, I must not love God. That is the lie of the enemy. And friends, we have so many that give up because the enemy lies to them over and over and over and over and over again. And eventually they just quit. Eventually they just give up. Change that mindset you'll shift it and actually as you walk through the day when you're responding to people on the phone and you're choosing kindness instead of bitterness you're saying to Jesus I love you I'm choosing righteousness right now if you'll get that on the inside then when inevitably you fall short you have the strength the inner man the inner strength to say I know that I just, I just committed whatever sin, but that's not mostly who I am. Mostly who you are is the 99 I love you gods that have been built up. And that over and over again, you've said, all right, God, I got 